Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I am the founder of Alzheimer's Speaks. My mom had dementia for 30 years, which brought me into this space, and I am all about helping people get tips and learning new techniques and helping them find resources to help them live graciously with dementia. You know, through that 30-year experience with my mom, I I understand the the guilt, the isolation, the frustration of not having a cure for this disease. And um, yet I've been able to kind of walk that other path of passion and purpose and grace of the beauty of holding on to our relationships. And so that's one of the things that I really hope that people take away from, from our shows. I do want to mention a couple of resources before I introduce our guest today. The first is Alzheimer's Disease International released their World Alzheimer's Report uh, for 2019, and that is available, and you can find that on my website at alzheimerspeaks.com. There is also uh, the World Dementia Council is uh, doing a survey, and they want input from people all around the world, and the survey is open until October 30th. So if you are doing anything with dementia and you feel that it's progressive and helping, please take that survey. If you have any particular research um, that tacks on to that, please share that as well. And then, of course, I have to give a shout out to Dave, who runs the MemoryCafeDirectory.com. There you can find over 700 memory cafes in the U.S., and he's also developing memory uh, cafe directories for other countries as well. And then the last I'm going to shout out to is Stall Catchers. Stall Catchers is a game that any of us can play to help analyze real life data regarding dementia. So just go to stallcatchers.com and you will be able to, uh, <clears throat> to see that information and you'll be able to help push research forward. Let's see, I also want to let businesses know that Alzheimer's Speaks can also help companies expand their brand footprint by leveraging our content here to increase their services, products, and tools to people who really um, so badly need them. And last, I have to give a big shout out to all of our listeners. You see your likes, your clicks, and shares have just brought tremendous collaboration and a sense of community to people all around the world. And, and that really, really excites me. So with no further ado, why don't I go ahead and introduce our guests today. We are lucky to have Michael Quayle with us. And he is 74 years old, who, and he lives in Mississippi. And he is living with a form of dementia, which he's going to tell us about. Michael loves talking to people about his life with dementia and how it's affected him. He's also 
um, written a book that he's hoping to get published here soon. He's a very avid and active outdoorsy person. He enjoys travel and horses and motorcycles and hanging out at the beach. And he loves to continue to meet people and, and operate his business. He is lucky enough to have four grandchildren that range from 13 to 20 and two children, Carrie, who's 48, Brian, who is 46, and Michael is married to uh, Janet and they have been married for 50 years. So welcome to the show, uh, Michael, and uh, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. You're taking a chance. <laughs> well, I, I was just such a pleasure to get to know you, and I, I love having people on the show that actually are diagnosed, because I think you are just filled with such knowledge and can really help the rest of us better serve you and, and live life. Now, I know one thing that you mentioned is really important to you, and it continues to be important to you, even though you're, you're living with dementia right now, and that is your faith. Can you talk about how that plays a part in your life, Michael? Well, uh, my faith, uh, I, I was grew up without a father. My dad left in 1949, left my mother, sister, and I with nothing, no money, no place to live, no automobile, and my mother went back to work for the phone company. She had worked for the phone company her sophomore, junior, and senior in high school, and uh, then joined the Navy in January of 42 and served through August of 45 when I was born. Made it home from Naval Air Station in San Diego to have me here in Jackson. And uh, so I grew up a rough kid on the streets. Uh, didn't take it out on anybody, but I was angry because of my dad leaving and and I carried that with me a long time. It took me a long time to get over that. In fact, I was 40 years old before I came to terms with it. And uh, so during that time, I uh, just became uh, aggravated and uh, depended on myself, which is not a good thing to do. And the Lord, uh, on November the 22nd, 1963, I was, we were practicing a senior play at French camp, Mississippi high school and came over the radio in Memphis that president Kennedy had been shot. And then later on that evening, uh, we, we were in the country and nobody had a TV back in those days. There were TVs, but we did not have one. Anyway, that evening on the news, we went downtown and to our store and Mr. Thomas had a TV on and we saw the news where, Kennedy had passed away. Well, that night, the Lord began dealing with my heart about the fact that I did not know him as my Lord and Savior. So for a number of months, all the way through the rest of school, uh, I was wrestling with the fact that if somebody shot me and I died, I wasn't going to go to heaven. So uh, I graduated from high school. And on June the 7th, 7.30 in the evening, I remember it like yesterday. I remember back then, I can't remember three or four days ago, last week or last six or eight years. But anyway, uh, my mother and I was sitting in our den in our living room, little old 500 square foot wood frame home. 
And she said, Mickey, that by family nickname is Mickey. She said, Mickey, you need to turn your life over to Jesus Christ or you're going to be in a peck of trouble. And right there, smoking a Winston cigarette, and I still smoke, and uh, drinking coffee, and every night now I drink coffee. I accepted Christ as a Savior, and because of my faith in Christ, I've grown in the Lord. I'm no goody-goody two-shoes, and I, I, and I have to yield every day to the Lord and read the Bible and go to church on Sunday. Going to church doesn't mean you're a Christian, but going to church helps me with my growth. So because of my faith in Christ, on June the 14th, at 1.03 in the afternoon in 2013, when the doctor and my team of physicians said, Mr. Quayle, uh, we have confirmed after nine months of testing that you have Alzheimer's, late, moderate, late, early stage. <clears throat> and because of my faith in Christ, I said, uh, according to my notes here, I've got my notes. I, if it wasn't for my notes, I couldn't tell you anything. But uh, because of my faith in Christ, I said, well, let's just grab the bull by the horns and go with it. So that's my faith in Christ, reading scripture, talking to him throughout the day, maintaining a positive mental attitude. That's how I'm able to handle this. Other people handle it in other ways. Uh, but this is how the Lord has enabled me to handle Alzheimer's because it's the greatest challenge. I thought uh, growing up without a father was a challenge, and it was. But this, that that's nothing like this challenge. That's how I handle it. Well, thank you for sharing that. It's always interesting because we all handle stuff so very differently. And, um, and it's, it's interesting how, how your faith, you know, gave you the strength to, you know, walk alongside this and see where the road leads. And I love that you're journaling and, and making notes of, you know, what, what this journey has been like for you. Because I think, I think when people journal, um, it, it can be so helpful to the next guy um, going down this path. Now, you also talk about, you know, really believing in a healthy lifestyle. What does a healthy lifestyle mean to you? Well, healthy lifestyle, what I've done, I've always been kind of a, I've never been a fanatic about anything other than the Lord. Uh, and I don't want to get on anybody's nerves with that. But uh, I drink about a gallon of water a day. Uh, I eat heart healthy. Uh, I eat a lot of fruits and vegetables. I stay away from breads and fat foods. I'm not a fanatic. I'm just a regular old country boy from Mississippi that grew up on a farm milking cows by hand, plowing with a mule, working in the hay fields, slopping hogs, uh, working in the barn and plowing. Anyway, but uh, I eat heart healthy. I stay away from junk food. Uh, I don't snack hardly at all between meals. If I do, I like to chew on carrots or celery or grapes, something like that. Uh, I'm real active. I own a business, Bird's Eye Delivery. I deliver documents and brochures and magazines in the metropolitan Jackson area. And uh, I have about 450 stops a month, uh, almost every day of the week. Uh, I can't remember three or four days ago. Uh, sometimes my wife says I have to ask where the bathroom is. And we've been in our home 26 years, three or four bathrooms, five bedrooms, two dens, 
former diner, all kinds of stuff around here. And uh, she says, sometimes I have to ask the grandchildren's names. Uh, I don't drive on the highways, the interstates. But anyway, I don't know how I got on that. Uh, but uh, so I watch what I eat. I, I try to eat a small breakfast, a small lunch, and a small supper. And uh, if you feel hungry, grab something and eat. Don't be, don't knock yourself if you snack. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, with Alzheimer's, you don't sleep well. Uh, I sleep in two-hour increments. Uh, uh, one of my physicians here while back, we did a month-long notebook on my sleep habits. And so, and then I took it to her, and she went over it, my endocrinologist, Rebecca Pace, Dr. Pace and Jackson. Anyway, uh, uh, and it showed that I sleep in two-hour increments, hour and 50 to two hours and five-minute increments. It's amazing. If you pay, uh, keep a note. I keep a note card next to my bed and in my truck and here at the table and all over the house. And uh, if you wake in the middle of the night, make notes. I mean, if you don't have Alzheimer's, make notes. But anyway, uh, so you don't sleep well. But anyway, what I was going to say is uh, sometimes I'll get up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and if I'm a little hungry, I go in there and get me a little uh, cottage cheese or a little thing of cheese. I try to stay away from coffee during the middle of the night. I drink one or two cups of coffee a day. Now I used to drink a pot a day and two packs of cigarettes a day. Now I'm down to a vapor a day. A vapor is uh, is uh, uh, not a cigarette, but one of these. And uh, uh, one cup of coffee a day, and I might drink a, one beer about every 10 days. And I try, the doctors want me to drink, not to, well, I try to drink a little white wine at night, but maybe once a week. So, and then I'm real active outside. Uh, I've had two hip replacements, three hip surgeries, and two tough spine surgeries. I've had RA and OA real bad, spinal stenosis, ankylosis, spondylitis. But I was an athlete in high school and college. I'm 5'10, 140 pounds. And I've just taken care of myself all my life. My wife is, real active. She played volleyball in college at Auburn. I played football and basketball in college in Texas when short guys could play. I couldn't make a junior high team now. And uh, so I just, I just, I'm real active that way and like the outdoors. I like the water. I like horses, motorcycles, things like that. Although I can't ride anymore because of my spine surgery. I own a motorcycle all my life and I had to sell it. So that's what I do. Nothing special. I don't keep any records or anything. Uh, I just, uh, you know, doesn't take much to fill me up and it doesn't take much to make me, I'm a happy fella. I'm a thankful fella. I'm blessed. Uh, I just try to take care of myself. Wonderful. Um, if let's say someone's listening today who hasn't gotten diagnosed yet, but is worried about getting a diagnosis going in, what would you say to them? Go to your family physician right off the bat. Tell them exactly what's on your mind. In fact, take a notebook, take a spiral notebook, date it and time it. And uh, start keeping records. Just start journaling whenever something comes to your mind. And then uh, set your appointment up with a doctor or your family physician. Tell them what's going on. And he'll set up a, uh, an appointment with a neurologist. And uh, we're real fortunate here in the metropolitan Jackson area. We're loaded with neurologists. We have the University of Mississippi Medical Center. 
and uh, we have the Mind Center here in Jackson, which is one of the leading research centers in the world for Alzheimer's and brain injuries. I have a couple of friends at church, uh, doctor, neuro neurologist. One of them is my physician, and uh, they are. He's on the uh, NFL committee that uh, is at the ball games for brain injuries. Anyway, we're real fortunate to be blessed here in Jackson as a medical center, Jackson, Mississippi. And uh, but your doctor will set that up, and then when you go, they'll run a battery of tests, some initial tests to start off with. They do verbal testing, visual testing, spatial relationships. They'll do uh, cognitive skill testing, written tests. And then if they see it, you have a propensity toward that, then they will do the blood work. And that's where they nail it down. Your DNA, they'll, if you're in a large city like Jackson, they can do the DNA testing there. If you're in a rural area, they can send it to a major metropolitan area, the CDC in Atlanta. And when it comes back, that'll nail it down. The blood work will tell you if you have Alzheimer's or not and strands 21, 14, or 1 will be cobwebbed. One of the three are the combination of three. And on me, strand number 21 and number 1 are cobwebbed. And then it's in your nose, and that's how they nail it down. That's what they did with me. It took them nine months of testing and whammo. That's how it worked. Okay, thank you. What kind of wise words do you have for care partners in terms of how to help somebody through through a diagnosis? Well, if you have someone that you can talk to, that's the best thing in the world. Uh, my daughter is my go-to, Carrie, and uh, she does everything with me. Usually, she would be here, but she's teacher. She's a teacher, and she couldn't be here. Uh, my wife's busy. My wife is a, still teaches, but she owns a sewing company, and she's busy as a bee. Uh, but uh, if you have someone you can talk to, it's important. Your uh, clergyman, your rabbi, your priest, uh, whoever your spiritual go-to guy is, uh, person, uh, that's helpful. If you have a real good friend that you can confide in, that's good. If you're married and your spouse can talk about it, that's even better. Uh, so that's, that's, that's what I do. And, and, uh, it's important that you have someone that you can talk to. Uh, if you live in an area, uh, that has an Alzheimer's, every state has an Alzheimer's association. You can call the local office in your state and they'll put you in touch with someone in your neighborhood, your neck of the woods, uh, that you can talk to. And that's how I got started in this. And that's how I ended up in January of 2013. Starting in February 2013, Sarah Murphy and I, who is the state director in Pennsylvania, lives in Pittsburgh, Sarah Rashman Murphy <clears throat> from Virginia, she was the director down here in Mississippi, development director, and then they moved to Pennsylvania and she became the state director in Pennsylvania. Uh, uh, but anyway, every state has a director. You, you can call your local office and they'll put you in touch with someone in your neck of the woods. And uh, they have someone there that can talk to you, but you got to be willing to share it. Uh, if you if they if you think you have Alzheimer's, talk to your doctor. He'll get the ball rolling. If you if you have it, you've been diagnosed. Please, my rec, my advice, and I'm no expert on anything but sin, 
my advice would be to uh, find someone you can talk to and do not keep this stuff inside. You'll explode. You cannot keep anybody with, I'm, I'm living with Alzheimer's. Some people are battling cancer, Hodgkin's disease, lymphoma, marital problems, sexual problems, financial problems. Some people have a propensity to steal things and set fires. You know, I happen to have Alzheimer's. Well, I'm not going to let it bug me, but I do talk about it. I don't mind. I don't just knock on the door and say, hey, I have Alzheimer's. But if somebody asks me, I'll share it. I'm, I'm a, a personality. I'm an outgoing guy. But basically inside, I'm shy. So I tend to keep things inside and mull them over for quite some time before I share them out. My wife will tell you, I have projects galore around the house. It takes me forever to do them in the yard and outside. Her list, you know, I have to do what she says. You know, one thing you learn after 50 years of marriage is yes, ma'am. And quit arguing. I mean, hell, you're wasting your time if you're going to argue with your spouse, with your wife. You husbands out there, forget it. I mean, I have Alzheimer's and I can't remember three days ago, but I know not to fuss with my wife because she wins every time. She's been winning. We met in, in March of 1963. And then she went off to Auburn. I went to Texas to college. We kept in touch over the years. Got back together in uh, December of 68. Watched the Blue Bonnet Bowl. I couldn't tell you who played in it. In uh, Birmingham, she's from Birmingham, went to Shades Vetter High School and graduated from Auburn University and lives in Cahaba Heights, lived in Cahaba Heights, lived in West End and then moved to Cahaba Heights. Anyway, uh, I just do what she says. But anyway, share, find somebody to share with and be open. I don't hold it inside or you will not make it. That's my advice there. So, Michael, I met you through social media, through Facebook and some other people living with dementia. What do you, do you recommend people get on Facebook and join some groups to, to meet others living with dementia? Yes, ma'am. Uh, be careful because Facebook is a wonderful tool for everything, but it can be a snake pit. You got to be careful. You got to, you got to filter what you have, but uh, a, a, a organization like yours, uh, there's another organization out of San Francisco that has interviewed me. Uh, there's some two or three or four, I'm sure more good organizations on there, but your local chapter, you can call your uh, Alzheimer's association near where you live in the state you live and they will give you some info and then get on Facebook and get with them and find your friend or two male or female. It doesn't matter. And, uh, share it now some people uh, don't want to share it and i understand i mean you know some people aren't like me some people man i don't ever meet a stranger i can walk into you have one-on-one -on -one or you can fill a stadium up at ann arbor michigan 100 and what four thousand people in that thing you can put me in the middle of it and i'm talking to all of them just like i'm talking to you right now it doesn't bother me a bit been that way my whole darn life i don't meet a stranger i was walking down the street one day and a guy walked up and said man you got a cigarette i said yeah Said you got a light. I said, yeah. And then I asked him, you want me to smoke it for you? But anyway, I don't, I don't meet strangers. So share, find somebody, share it with them. Don't write your stuff down. I don't go blowing it out to everybody, but share, uh, talk about it. Uh, if you talk it, talk it through, it helps you to uh, correlate and facilitate what you're doing with yourself. You got to be able to 
know where you are, who you are, what's going on, where you, you know, the basic questions of life, who, what, when, where, why, and how. And you got to answer those questions with Alzheimer's or any other uh, challenge that we have. I don't matter what it is. Uh, I have a real dear friend that was in an automobile accident and uh, she's a beautiful young lady. She's in her fifties and uh, it has impaired her. Now you would know it like me, you would know I had Alzheimer's by meeting me, but you stay around me a little while and you'll see the cause and effect. Well, the same with her, with her Regina, uh, you can, uh, she's with Alzheimer's here in Mississippi. Uh, it has affected her, but she is a wonderful lady as far as that, but she's like me. She keeps a notebook with her all the time. But that's how you do it. Yeah, there's a, uh, I just want to give a shout out to a couple of groups on social media. One is Forget-Me-Nots with Harry Urban, with that is a safe group on Facebook to be able to connect with others. And um, another one is Dementia Mentors, too, where people can get hooked up to other people living with dementia and can kind of almost get a coach basically, um, of someone living with dementia who knows what it feels like, knows what it, you know, walks and talks like and the symptoms and the reactions other people have. There's lots of great resources out there. Um, how did your family react to your diagnosis? Uh, my son and daughter and four grandchildren grabbed it by the horns and went right with it. We went over everything with my grandchildren. Uh, when it, when we first was diagnosed, I bought a book and uh, they all read it and they write in there with me. My wife's right with me. Everybody's with me a hundred percent. My wife has struggled a little bit, but any spouse would, I think, I think that's normal, but she's with me a hundred percent. I couldn't make it without Janet. Uh, couldn't make it without Carrie. Brian, my son, uh, was a policeman for 20, almost 25 years until he had to have two spine inserts and tried patrolling after that and couldn't. And so he owns a recycling company and my daughter's a school teacher and she and her husband own a company. Uh, and then my four grandchildren, one is, has a real good job and has been asked to join, uh, to become a fireman at a metro in a suburban city of near Jackson. He's trying to decide what to do. My, have a senior in high school, Russell's a senior, Raleigh's in the 10th grade, and Eliza's in the 8th grade, and they all play sports, they're all real good athletes, and uh, we enjoy all that, but all of my family took right in, and, and uh, they've studied it, they go to meetings with me, they've gone to my uh, sessions with me, my son or daughter on the highways to take me, uh, if I'm going like to Tupelo or the Gulf Coast, or Natchez or Meridian, or Vicksburg, can't drive on the highways interstates. So one of my family members take me. I have three grandchildren that are driving, the eighth grader isn't driving yet. And uh, uh, they take me, but my whole family, my friends, my neighbors, uh, my church, man, they all just jump right in there now. You'll meet some people when they find out you have Alzheimer's, you see them back up. I had it happen at church. People, I've been in that church since, uh, March of 1975, First Presbyterian Church in Jackson. And uh, so every now and then you'll meet somebody, not lately, but I mean, that has happened before. But anyway, uh, my family's right in there. They're behind me 100%. They're real active, real involved. 
two dogs and cat are in there with me too. <laughs> well, that's fantastic because not everybody has that that type of support. Yeah. That's and they're all positive people like me. Now, my wife and uh, my son-in-law and my daughter-in-law are uh, uh, they're B personality. They find people smarter than I am, but they're more reserved. My daughter, my son, me, and my oldest grandson and my two granddaughters are like me, the outgoing Russell, my senior in high school, he's reserved like his dad and my wife, but they're all right in there with us. It's, it's, a, it's a team effort. You can't do it without a team effort. You can't do it alone. I can't, somebody might can, but I can't, I don't, I forgot who it was. I was an English teacher and literature teacher in high school. I taught, I was in education for 20 something years and, uh, I forgot who wrote it, but no man is an island, and that's correct. Very true. Well, do you have some goals for the future? Yes. Uh, I enjoy traveling. The doctors have told me they don't want to go out of the United States now. I've always wanted to go to Poland and Israel. Uh, my family, we're Jewish. Uh, you know, I'm a born-again Christian. My forefathers, my grandfathers, on each side were Wachtel and Kappelwasser. And then uh, when they went from the Jerusalem to the Alps and then to London and Birmingham, England, and then to the Isle of Man, and then came to New York City and we settled in Indiana, Indianapolis area. They changed the name from Wachtel and Kappelwasser to Quail, Q-U-A-Y-L-E, took on an English name because of the persecution on before they went to the Isle of Man. Once they got to the Isle of Man, in the 1300s, the persecution left them. Then in the uh, six, 1800s, my family walked on Cavalvaster and Quails, migrated to New York through, through, through Ellis Island. And then we lived there and then moved to Indiana and then to Chicago. And my dad and uncle and grand, grandfather all were the fire department in Chicago. And then the war came along and my dad and uncle served in World War II. Then after the war, my uncle went, Bob went back to the fire department, Chicago, and my dad went with Illinois Central Railroad and we moved to Jackson. He and my mother met at Naval Air Station in San Diego and got married and then I was born in 45. Then I, we lived in Chicago and my daddy was discharged in February of 47, the, the Great Nakes. Great Lakes Naval Air Station. Then we moved back to Jackson. He was at Illinois Central Railroad. My mother went back to work with a phone company when they separated. I was just asking if you had if you had some goals, and it sounds like you still want. Oh to yeah, yeah. Darn! I don't know how I got on. This is what happens. This is what happens. Anyway, uh, but I can't travel outside the United States, so I enjoy traveling. Uh, I'm trying to secure the money. I've got the money, but I'm trying to find three or four donors that will give support the book set the publisher in pennsylvania a publishing company that's been in business 110 years i think anyway uh they took my journal seven-year journal and turned it into a book form with a short biography and photos and it's going to be a four color full-blown deal they set up a book tour in three or four or five towns cities and radio and tv anyway 3600 bucks for the initial 14,000 print and then we'll go from there and uh, I hope next couple of weeks to have it all secured. So that, 
I like to travel. Uh, I hope to stay around long enough to see the youngest granddaughter graduate. And uh, I enjoy working in the yard. So things like that. That's, that's basically it. Stay in touch with my old classmates from high school and college. So really staying engaged and, and purposeful. Yes, ma'am. Active, active, active. Yep. Well, that like is that is wonderful. Um, any any last minute tips that you have for people? Uh, main thing is keep a positive mental attitude. Uh, all of us from time to time get down in dumps. That's human life. I mean, you fit physiologically, physic. I can't say it right, but anyway, physically, uh, emotionally, you're going to have your ups and downs. Uh, but just keep a positive mental attitude. Find somebody that you can talk to that will help you stay on base. Exercise your faith in Christ. Exercise your faith. Uh, stay in God's word. That's what I do. And uh, this helps me. I couldn't do without it. Uh, and uh, make make some goals and write them down. Write your goals down and keep them in front of you. Uh, you don't have to be rigid with it, but just, you know, roll with a flow, roll with a punch, rock and roll. Jay Lee Lewis and George Jones and some of those guys, Buddy Holly, uh, Roy Orbison. Oh, Elvis said that Roy Orbison was the greatest singer he ever heard. By the way, I met Elvis one time, uh, 1956 or five, I can't remember, on Lamar Street in Jackson at a theater. And we talked about 45, 50 minutes sitting on the back of his Chevrolet, drinking Coca-Cola, smoking Winston cigarettes, and two guys in front wearing zoot suits. Uh, and my friend said, ah, we don't talk to Elvis. You know, he was just an old Mississippi boy, but he could sing real good. He went to Louisiana Hayride. That's how he got his start in Shreveport, Louisiana. And uh, so we just talked 45, 50 minutes. Never got his autograph. Didn't ask for it. We didn't talk about music. We talked about everything. We talked about football, everything. High school. Uh, I forgot where he was working. He was driving a delivery truck in Memphis. And he was singing on weekends in Louisiana. And he'd come to, he would come to Jackson to do shopping, believe it or not. Until he died, he would come to Jackson, the Kenningtons and the Emporium to shop. And uh, at a store downtown Jackson, and uh, he was just a super nice guy, down to earth guy, no, no fanciness about him. He was just a regular guy like you and me. And uh, to meet him on the street, you'd never think he was Elvis, but he was just a. But anyway, I don't know how I got off on that. But anyway, uh, and be and be active, stay active. I try to read. You know, one thing that Alzheimer's is taking away of my cognitive skills. My English and my lit skills have stayed with me. I like Shakespeare. I like to read, but I'm going to read for about three to five minutes and I have to lay it down. Uh, my Bible reading at night, I read about four or five verses and then I'm in la-la land. I mean, my brain don't stay with it. Uh, I don't even subscribe to a newspaper magazine anymore. I take the American, I read the American Family Association Journal out of Tupelo, Mississippi, but I uh, uh, just have some goals and, and, and stay active and, and keep yourself abreast. Of, I try to keep up what's going on, but I get tired of listening to this news nowadays. Good Lord of mercy. Uh, it, uh, we need to get back to Ed Armour or Walter Cronkite for news instead of what we got now. But I won't get off on that. Don't talk politics and religion. <laughs> uh, don't talk about women. Talk about I, pretty totally horses and motorcycles. 
So um, I have a question because you're you're so deep into your faith. Have you talked with your church about becoming dementia friendly or making some changes at all? To yes, we uh, from time to time uh, I get invited to churches every so often to speak, and I have not pushed it on my church, but the Sunday school classes in my church they've had me speak. I spoke. I do some one on one every now and then with somebody with me, but I do, and I do group meetings. Yes, ma'am. Uh, my church has been real supportive. My senior minister, all the church staff, uh, they've been real supportive of, of me and my family. Yes, ma'am. Well, that's fantastic. I know the um, Us Against Alzheimer's has a clergy division, and they've written a couple of books about how to make a church more dementia-friendly um, as well. And uh, so there's, there's so many different types of movements. But I I love how active you are and, you know, people listening to this are, are going to think, oh, there's no way he's got any form of dementia because you're so detailed with your dates and your times and, and things. I do. Okay. I've been looking at this. I can't remember any. Uh, if you stayed around me, you could see, I'm told, I don't see it, but I'm told how it affects me. The doctors have said because of the way I grew up, without a dad and having to hustle. My sister's the same way. My sister and brother are missionaries in the World Radio Network. I've been missionaries almost 50 years. And my sister Kitty's the same way. She's a go-getter, self-starter like me. And both of us are that way because of the way we grew up. We, you had to be. I mean, nobody gave my mother and my sister and I anything. We, she started with zilch. And went back to work for the phone company and started over nothing. And my mother was a proud World War II veteran, seaman first class in the Navy, aviation mechanic on all naval aircraft. She didn't ask anybody for anything. And she raised my sister and I to not ask for anything. And to this day, I'm that way, which is not good. But that's how I am. But the doctors have said that being, that's had a lot to do with how I've handled this. But my, I would... Well, I would encourage everybody to uh, look look at yourself in the mirror, look at Alzheimer's or dementia in the face and say, I'm going to give it my best. I'm going to overcome as long as I can. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was right when he said, we shall overcome. You must maintain a positive mental attitude to handle this. If you don't, it will take you over like a hot rod Chevrolet. Very true. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today and sharing your story. <clears throat> Michael um, can be reached on Facebook. Now, people can also email you too. Do you want to give the email address there? Yes, ma'am. It's lowercase Mary, M-A-R-Y, Quail, Q-U-A-Y-L-E, 2445 at gmail.com. Okay. Well, wonderful. Thank you all for listening. And Michael, thank you for spending time with us today. Appreciate it so much. Thank you very much. Lord bless you. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families, too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.